Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Coffee with Shay or Shy podcast. I am your host, as always, but not maybe coming. I feel like we have a new new version of Coffee with Shay coming out soon. I don't know. We'll see. All of these guests have had me thinking about maybe we need a co-host. Maybe we need somebody else to be on the podcast. And so I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you chose my podcast to listen to. And I'm glad you get to connect with all of the guests that I have on, which is funny because I have another guest on today. Because that's what season three is about. It's about guests and guest experiences and getting to know people on a deeper connected level then sometimes we get to see that very surface level. And so this episode I'm really excited about because there's a lot of similarities and differences between me and the guests. And so I'm excited to hear different perspectives while also being able to connect to somebody that has a similar perspective. So without further ado, let's have the guests introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Kalaya Colvin, and I'm excited to be on Shay's podcast today. Um, I am 25 years old. I have a dog and we're just going to dive into some good things. I'm excited. Okay. So you had mentioned that you do have a coffee. What are you sipping on? Tell us what we need to be ordering. Oh my goodness. So I am sipping on a 20 ounce, a big boy, lavender honey latte with one pump of vanilla and oat milk. Oh, and an extra shot of espresso. I hope that was the queerest person on the planet who made that. I really do. <laughs> I hope they wore overalls. Um, I hope they had a beanie on because that, oh, yes. that drink is like, that's a local coffee shop delicacy right there. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm sipping on something a little bit different because it's fall and I'm an apple pie lover. Um, I'm not a pumpkin spice lover. I used to be, but I'm an apple pie lover. And so I'm sipping on creme brulee grounds because we're doing it the old fashioned way. We're just Ooh. getting grounds because we, this economy is insane. Um, <laughs> and so we have coffee grounds we're using a regular coffee pot and then we're putting in apple pie spiced um, creamer. And that's just, it's real plain. It's what I drink every day. It's okay. Sounds great. Sounds good. <laughs> it does. It does. So you and I really had some some educational conversation, but also just for me, an ability to connect with somebody who shares a similar experience to me, while also noting that there are differences in our experiences too. And one of the things that you and I had shared that we talked about was the plus size experience. Now, I have already talked about the plus size experience with another guest, but this time it's different. So the guest that I had spoken with with plus size experience grew up plus size and you and I did not grow up plus sized. Right. And so I find that really interesting because there's a whole different perspective, I think, when you didn't grow up plus size, because for a lot of people who have that plus size experience, they're always chasing, and I'm saying a lot, not everyone, but a lot of people are chasing this idea of being skinny. We've already been there. Mm -hmm. You know, we've already been at that situation and we know what it feels like. And 
for me, it felt like I was still never good enough, no matter how skinny I was. And a lot of plus size people who are now, you know, straight size, the the real correct term is are becoming straight size are realizing that that's not the answer. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about like growing up, not being plus size? How, what was your experience? It was interesting. So I grew up very like size eight, size 10 gene type person. And mentally I thought that I was like, which I am, obviously. I thought that I was so funny, great personality. People were treating me a type of way. Um, like, I felt like I couldn't do any wrong when I was doing these type of things. Just, you know, being a silly girl. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older and gained weight and got thicker and everything of that sort, I would act the same, but I did not get the same responses from people. Like, I got looks like okay she's a little weird (laughs) she's doing a lot or like comments from different people are just not receiving the same type of energy that I used to when I was younger um and when I say younger I do mean like mm, even like 18 to like 22 you know Mm -hmm. still an adult still grown still like being around the same group of people um just a whole different type of response or perception I guess And I thought, like, am I acting weird? Is something wrong with my mental? Like, am I being a type of way? And then I realized I wasn't. I just looked different. So people are perceiving it different. They are not accepting it as much because I am a thicker woman. And it really fucks up, like, your thinking and your mindset when you go through that, like, shift from people. And it's unfortunate because, like, that's just the society's fault, like, how social media is bringing people out and making them think like, oh, this is okay. And this is not okay for different types of people that look different. I was also kind of in that, and and that's still straight size is like being an eight and 10 is still considered straight size. I know that there's a lot of controversy over like midsize and whether that's an appropriate word. Um, But I, I definitely felt the same way like I you know funny I was around people all the time like I the attention that I got was definitely different than than it's the attention that I get now it's definitely like a different situation and Mm -hmm. I feel yeah it does like it does fuck with you because it's like oh was I better off you know being being this straight size was I better off being this skinny gal and it's like nothing changed about you except your body but people exactly differently yeah exactly it's interesting to see and then you have like the words you know the negative self-talk that kind of hurts that I'm happy is being acknowledged a lot more like it really just takes a toll on you when you have this negative self-talk like maybe I am annoying maybe I am stupid maybe I am ugly maybe I'm this maybe I'm that but really it's just like the perception from the other people how they perceive you um yeah <laughs> yeah and then it gets <laughs> in that conversation about like being conventionally attractive versus not being conventionally attractive and I saw this TikTok oh my gosh today and I thought it was really it was an interesting perspective and the person said the more that I become conventionally attractive the the less I am naturally pretty mm-hmm. and I was like oh hold up that's actually really true though <laughs> no literally <laughs> 
Oh, God. Like, the more I try to fit into conventionally attractive standards, like, you know, we all want the BBL look, you know, we want the the flat tummy, but we're still thickums with the, you know, big hips and, and yeah. nice rounded butt. And, but when you fit into plus size, that's, you don't just get a, a little guide that says, oh, you can pick your body. This is the body type that you pick. And with plus size, it, you know, there's all different types of body types, but there's a conventionally attractive plus size. Yes. I was just about to say that (laughs) (laughs) the fashion Nova plus size girly is who is accepted. Oh my goodness. But I felt, you know, that I am, I think I'm naturally pretty. I think I'm Uh a naturally like attractive person. Um, I, I've always felt that my entire life, like I've always had good hair, you know, I've had good eyebrows for the most part. I fit into each trend for eyebrows and stuff like that. And I know it's such a weird thing to pick out, but eyebrows is great. Um, you know, I felt like for the most part, I've had like nice legs, uh, you know, nice arms, all those kinds of things. And so, you know, just picking out body parts that were nice. I've always felt that those you know, were nice, but it never felt like enough when I was younger. Like I never felt enough. And it's weird that now I'm plus size. I feel enough. Yes. Yes. I feel whole. (laughs) Yes. I love, yes. I understand that because I will say back then I was a lot more depressed in trying to fit into that like conventionally attractive like I was at the gym three hours a day I wasn't eating as much I wasn't doing this and that I was trying to force myself into that (laughs) I know and it's like you're trying to fit a mold and I know even for plus size like you said the, the whole fashion nova baddie that kind of look is like what people think of when they think of plus size but I feel like less and less I'm I want to fit into a mold in a box mm-hmm. and I just thought that was interesting that that popped up on my for you page of like the more you try to become conventionally attractive the less you start to just be naturally beautiful or naturally pretty yeah and I I like natural I really do I know that natural is an upkeep I hate the the TikTok trend where it's like, um, oh, what is it? Low maintenance, the the high maintenance things I do to be low maintenance. Yeah. It's like, you don't have to do all of that, you know? No, because I'm thinking like that costs $10,000 a month for me to get that just to be low maintenance. That's so, that's so insane. And, and once again, it's, you're still trying to fit into a mold. I, it was weird because like growing up, I had much smaller friends than I was. So I always felt like I was trying to fit the mold of them. Like I was trying to be smaller and smaller and smaller to fit their mold. And then I had plus size friends. I never looked at them and was like, oh, you know, you're fat or, you know, in a derogatory yes. way. I never saw them as that way. I literally thought that earlier when I was like thinking about the podcast today, I was like, 
I would see all these different types of bodies as beautiful, like just great human beings, beautiful. Oh my goodness. And then I would look at myself and be like, I need to fix this. I need to fix that. I need to do this, A, B, C, D. But I've never looked at anyone else and been like, they could lose, you know, they could do this. They could do that. Only at myself, which hurts. <laughs> Yeah, I know I wasn't doing that. Um, you know, I wasn't picking apart my plus size friends growing up. I was like amplifying my plus size friends. I was like, oh my gosh, no, like you look so good in that outfit. Look at you, look at your hips or, you know, like trying to like hype them up. And I realized that the one thing though, that I wish that I didn't do, but I was conditioned to think that was always be like, well, I'm fat and use it in derogatory ways towards myself. And I realized now when I was saying that and they were around, how did they feel? Yeah. Not that, that sucks. <laughs> like sitting here, but that's what I was raised to think. Right. I, it's just so funny. Like your parents and like your older relatives, they never, not they never think before they speak, but sometimes they say things without thinking before they speak and they don't know how it affects you. I remember being like, maybe like 12. Um, and I went shopping with my friends to the mall, you know, a little bus trip to the mall. And I got this shirt that was like a tube top and I took it home and I showed my mom, mom, I'm branching out of my style. Look, it's very cute. And she said to me, yes, now we just got to start working out them arms. And I was just like, taken back <laughs> I was like but why <laughs> I'm 12 also but and that stuck with me and I remember being a kid and asking like you know the baby fat clothing I used to be like is this baby fat looking at my tummy and like when is it gonna go away I'm like mm -hmm. no that's not baby fat that's just you know that's just your stomach and it's crazy being so young and thinking that <laughs> as a kid and just growing up with that it is like it's I I always distinctly remember my the, I have the same kind of experience where it was like my aunt and my grandma sat down and they were like oh if you eat more bread that's gonna go to your hips and it's like okay and if it does more more to love there's just exactly more, more to love but <laughs> you, you know then I was conditioned to sit around and you know be around my friends and go oh gosh, I feel so fat today. Or I, you know, I'm using it in a derogatory way. And I'm so glad that we've taken the word fat and we've remastered it, restyled it, restructured it into a word where it's not derogatory. Right. It is what it is. It's just a descriptive word. I, I can't, be, you know, believe that society and social media really flipped it into that. It's just like any other descriptive word, you know. It is. And It makes me so sad for that girl. It really does. Like, it makes me yeah. so sad to look back at pictures of myself and go, oh my gosh, like my face was like caving in. Like, you know, my jaw was like in increasingly like, def like defined and not in like a, ooh, you know, handsome Squidward way. It was like a <laughs> girl, you need to eat a little bit more way. Yeah. It's like, what would you be, what would you tell your younger self if you could, you know, like talk to them? I have a lot. If I could, if I could genuinely sit and look at my younger self, I would tell her like food is not the enemy. And like the biggest thing I think for me is, is definitely my relationship with food. And I think that's the 
the biggest reason why I've increased weight and, you know, my activity level is different and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm on birth control and that takes a lot, that does a lot to people. Um, but the biggest thing was just the fact that my parents would be like, oh, you have to eat everything off your plate before you can leave. And so then I started to be like, oh, well, I have to finish everything. We can't have leftovers. We can't have leftover food. We can't, you know, do this with our food. We can't just throw away food. Like, because I grew up very poor, we couldn't throw away food. Right. And so it created a weird relationship with food. So if I could look back at myself and as I was younger, I would just be like, hey, it's okay. You, you threw that hot dog away. You couldn't finish the hot dog, throw the rest away. Yeah. They, yeah, I feel like that's the biggest thing that I would probably tell myself. And I have to, I have to tell myself that now too, like we'll go out to eat, we'll pay for food. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, the economy is terrible. Like can't waste any food, but it's not enough to put in a box. So why not just throw it away? Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of things. What would you, what would you say to your younger self? If I could, if I could talk to my younger self, I would let her know, like, ignore these people. (laughs) Ignore these people commenting on your body, your hair, the way you talk, everything. Just ignore them and keep doing what you're doing. Keep going. Exactly. Yeah. I, I definitely would, would definitely try to shut out as much outside perspective, which really like is segueing into like a huge topic that I want to talk about with you too. I mean, aside from this, I definitely love this experience and being able to like connect with somebody who is plus size now, but didn't grow up plus size. The other experience of things that we have in common is dealing with our family Oh <laughs> and, yeah, and some family structures and how that deals with mental health. And, um, recently I have decided to go no contact with I want to say ex-grandma because I don't want to call her my grandma but the woman who raised me I've decided to go no contact with and the reason I don't want to say directly the reason especially of the podcast um I'm not going to out somebody else but essentially the reason is just being an apologist to bad people mm-hmm. and protecting bad people rather than protecting the people who are doing things right in the family and also being a narcissist. Mm. Being raised by a narcissist is like, it's a universal experience apparently. Um, but it's a very tough experience because you have to then break the cycle of abuse. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to bring that to the podcast because I did want to eventually say, you know, my last podcast, I'd said I was pretty much no contact and now I'm like completely no contact. Yeah. Let's oh, talk man. About, yeah. You wanted to talk about, you know, you have a parent who does struggle with like mental health and, and how, how is that? Man, so my parent has is not diagnosed, it's undiagnosed, but we know that it is a mental illness, an uncurable mental illness. Like no like medicine or anything can really help with it. Um 
And so, it's really hard. <laughs> when we were younger, she, it was my mother, she had her first episode and we just thought like it was rage. We didn't know how to take it. We thought like it was just like we were messed up or she was just really angry with all of us. And she would do like interesting things around the house to make it really like hard to just stay there. And so, like, I felt like I was the caretaker of her. Like, anything that she needed help with, I would do, which was fine. But it wasn't me actually helping her. It was enabling, like, her issues. Um, She wasn't actually getting the help that she needed when I was doing that. But I just didn't know what to do, and I felt so alone. And she didn't believe she had a mental illness just because, like, the stigma behind it, I feel, is the reason why. The stigma behind it in the Black community. Um, it's hard to come out and say, like, I'm dealing with depression or anxiety or certain things. We're better now, but, like, back then it was a lot harder because of the people that she was around. They didn't really believe in any of that at the time because she was older, obviously. Um, and so she never went to get diagnosed or, like, the time that she did, she knew how to play like she wasn't mentally ill. So the doctors wouldn't actually diagnose her as mentally ill. So she always had to come back home. They weren't, they couldn't legally put her in anything without them being, without her being diagnosed. So every time she went there, they didn't diagnose her. What made her believe, like, oh, maybe I don't have a mental illness. Like, this must be normal or something's wrong with me and I'm just seeing something. Mm -hmm. Um. And so, like, sometimes she would get really aggressive with us and stuff. And it took a long time for me to forget, forgive her. Um, maybe, like, a year or two to forgive her for all that stuff that she had did. Um, she had went missing at one point, and I had to file different police reports to find her. And I was the only one in, like, my family that was doing this hard searching and hard work to get her back or like get her on track. And finally, um, finally the family, my family actually stepped in when we couldn't find her for a long time. And yeah, <laughs> it was hard is what I'm saying. <laughs> it was like, really hard. <laughs> I have like tears forming in my eyes. I'm trying not to cry because it's very difficult when you have to be the parent. Yeah. Like, you're just a child. You, like, you weren't supposed to be the parent. Yeah, it was really hard. And I have I have a little sister. And so I had to help her with a lot of things and help my mom with a lot of things. And it um, caused me, which I didn't know at the time, I was feeling a lot of things internally, like, under the surface that I just didn't realize. I stopped going to my classes. I slept in more. I would walk in my classes 45 minutes late, mind you, probably like 30 minutes left of class. Um, and just, I wasn't caring what I was doing because I felt like there was nothing I could do. I felt powerless. I went to City Hall to figure out laws about mental health and like why these people weren't helping my mom at the time. And it was just crazy. <laughs> but now she's safe in a spot and like doing so much better. She had to go, she had to be arrested four different times to finally get to a safe spot that was out of town because 
they had a new person evaluate her and believed her <laughs> that she was going through something. And now she's safe and everything, but it was really hard doing all that. I felt like I had kind of like, during that process, I felt like I had lost a part of myself. Like I had to grieve the young girl who had both her parents, you know, together chilling and like everybody always like, you just have such a happy family. And it, it was nice at the time, but I had to grieve the young, young girl who had lost like her full form family. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, the more it's weird because you shouldn't be getting angrier, but I think the more I get through therapy and the more that I'm like taking care of myself and I'm stopping the cycle of abuse and the cycle of narcissism, whatever, you know, it is, um, I feel like I almost get angrier. Like there's like an anger in me that's like, you know, I wouldn't have done this. Why, why did you do this? Yeah. Why, why would you do that to like a young kid? And I think similar experience with my grandma, I'm she, full-fledged just narcissism, but I think this, the similar thing is her having, you know, mental health, really just struggling with her mental health. Those really bad things that she was doing. And I mean, at one point they had her on like 10 15 different medications yeah and it's like why was that necessary you know like she I don't think like she was to an extent she needed 10 15 different medications I I don't know but like she you know she's gone and gotten herself mental health you know she's you know been in therapy she's done all those things and stuff and it's like I just still struggle with like how you could have done that to a kid. Cause I wouldn't do that. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I see a kid and I don't think, you know, I want to wish them harm or anything, or, you know, this is the, another thing that I noticed that gets, gets talked about on TikTok is, um, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I got hit as a kid. I turned out fine. And it's like, well, you didn't turn out fine, but okay. Um, but the other ladder of that is like, okay, so you got hit as a kid. Why would you want to hit your kid? You know, because this mm -hmm. happened to you doesn't mean it needs to happen to your kid too. And I was thinking that because I have a lot of friends that are, I have a few friends that are young mothers and they're stopping the cycle of abuse that happened in their lives. And a lot of their justification is because just because it happened to me doesn't mean I, doesn't mean I need to do it to my kid too. Mm -hmm. And it's just weird. And I'm not a parent, but I think all the time, like I would never do that to a kid. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. No, I, I know what you mean. And I wouldn't either. I just, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like trying to. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to like form those thoughts of like, mm -hmm. you know, when you're sitting and you're trying to process your childhood and everything that happened to you, it's just like, it's hard to sit and put words to everything that happened. Mm -hmm. And you forgave your mom and I'm so glad that you did. Like, I'm, I'm glad I'm never going to be able to forgive my grandmother. 
that's not happening. Yeah. And I forgive my mom, like my actual mom, um, the one who dropped us off at the doorstep at four years old. Yes, I have forgiven her. A lot of her her issues and things that happened to her was due to her addiction. My freaking um my mom, she was like, she never like did any like harm to us. It was more so like the system is not in favor of mental health problems. <laughs> they do not help people with mental health issues. They since it's like invisible, you know, as they say, quote unquote. And <laughs> that is what fucked me up because I felt helpless, powerless after being told my whole life, you can do everything, you know, by like my parents and then like the parent that was encouraging. Like, I felt like she was ripped, like the world kind of ripped her out because it's very the world can be very unfair, you know, or yeah. like life can be unfair sometimes because like my mom, she would help homeless people she would bring the kids in off the street when she knows it's not going to be safe outside and have them all come in and make like caramel apples and everything like while during like the halloween season when we lived in this like a not so safe neighborhood so she would let all the neighborhood little kids come in because we couldn't really go trick-or-treating because it wasn't very safe um she would do all that and then to turn around and have like be the one with the mental health problem without resources or help <laughs> kind of really fucked up my brain <laughs> I think yeah because the system isn't built like when you know people go to prison or people go to rehab the system is built so that you come back so they can keep making money probably so they can keep making money off of you like my mom went to rehab like you know five six times like she she went to rehab she did the things that she was supposed to she was sober but the system is not built to be able to sustain and keep people. So even if like some people do get help for their mental health, then the day, like it's still might not be enough because the system wants you to keep going, you know, yeah. like, like my grandma, she was prescribed like 15 different medications. And I bet they made her pay so much for all of those just for it not to work just for it to not work like she you know it just it was terrible it was it so it's like yes they fail you by also not getting you help at the same time but then when you do get help it's like are you actually getting the right help right and I had this this conversation with someone in the last episode of like um my psych not listening to me oh I've had I've had one of those <laughs> yeah like <laughs> not listening to me and then you know I've had two people diagnose me with bipolar disorder and then one person's like no nah, I don't think you have it so what is it right exactly and what am I paying you for because <laughs> <laughs> what am I paying for and what is it so like it's sad that she did not get the help that she needed I think that that not only speaks to how horrible our mental health system is but I think it also speaks to like I want it, the word is systemic change. Like when it comes to, I'm trying to think of the exact word of what I'm looking for. Like there needs to be systemic change because at the end of the day, like, did they not listen to her because she's a black woman? Like, 
Is that why right. they're listening to her or were they not listening to her because, you know, she had convinced them that she didn't have it? Like, you know, right, I would, no one else was in the room. <laughs> yeah. Like I would kind of like to know because that could be an issue because there are biases within the mental mm-hmm. health community when it comes to, um, you know, the black community, it comes to literally, you know, every, um, every community there's biases that happen and people are not getting the help that they need because of those biases within the mental health community. Right. I mean, a lot of the research is done based off of white males. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It baffles me. Like, babe, when are we going to update this? (laughs) So, So yeah, she like wasn't getting the help that she needed, but it's like also the research in which the criteria that she had to meet was based off of white men, not based off of a black woman's criteria. Like it wasn't, it wasn't for her. And, (laughs) you know, like when they do, when they do autism testing or, you know, ADHD testing, they go off of little boys and the most severe case of of ADHD and most severe case of autism they're like oh well you don't fit this criteria because you know your severity isn't very you know and it it shows up different like yeah like your functioning skills are different you know but it's because the research is based off of white males Mm. lord (laughs) Yeah, it took me a second to kind of catch on what you were talking about. It took me a little second. I had to use my brain there for a second. But I was like, you ate that up. You did that. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I think you're actually talking about the, the real crisis that we have. It's, uh, <laughs> I got to give you some. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the racism within the mental health field. Let's be real here. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> Okay, we're going to sidebar for just a quick quick second. Then we're going to come back. Uh, there may or may not be an ad. I don't know. Hmm. There may or may not have been an ad. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I I never know until I'm editing this. Um, but that really, like, is the stigma, stigmatized conversation that we're having there. Like, the stigmas and the biases that exist with the mental health field and mm-hmm. how outdated the research is and how, yeah, it probably is pretty easy to trick a psychologist into thinking you don't have something that you do. I think my grandma doesn't. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> oh my God. I think she does it every day where she's tricking her therapist into thinking, you know, I want to be something. <laughs> My mind is blown. I just, I, I, you really did that. <laughs> well, I mean, my degree is educational psychology. So, you know, most people don't know that. And I'm like, yeah, babe. <laughs> I do know. And I've been working. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it took me a second to like kind of really catch on. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's definitely what we're talking about, which is oh, like, wow you know, segueing into our conversation of like breaking the cycles of self-destruction, breaking the cycles of abuse. Um, oh yeah. That is, that's what, that's the journey I'm on right now. Same, really same. 
you chose have, to forgive your mom and I'm like really glad for you because I feel like in a way, you know, that's breaking a cycle right there. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so interesting. Like my, my mom was like abused as a child by one of my Nana's ex-boyfriends and this man was insanely crazy um he would like burn her with cigarettes and everything so I think that triggered like the cycle of that and my my Nana ended up having to uh kill him because he tried to he broke in her house and tried to kill her oh my god mm-hmm. it was like crazy <laughs> very crazy and that just like can create a cycle of abuse. Like, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, my family had created a cycle of abuse. My grandma was abused by my great grandma, and then my mom was abused by my grandma, and then I was abused by both my mom and my grandma. <laughs> you know, they created that cycle, and it's it's weird because I've definitely, you know, like I said, I'm not going to forgive my grandma. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, there are very fundamental things that her and I don't believe in. Um, and being an apologist to bad people, we're just going to say bad people. Um, there are things that I don't think it's weird because when we're talking about mental health, I believe that most people, I say most people can be rehabilitated Mm -hmm. but I don't I think there's some people that can't some people cannot literally some people are just way too far gone or stuck in their ways and just no and then it creates a cycle of abuse for you know an apologist like you know I I think (laughs) this was easy to like be no contact because last year was no contact um because she forgot my birthday oh my god so I was no contact because she forgot my birthday and so it when you know when I was telling people I was like oh I'm no contact with her now and they're like oh my gosh like it must have been hard and I'm like she forgot my birthday and I told her f off last year but you know I did I have since forgiven my mom because I, in, in what I told her is I wanted to break the cycle of abuse. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard job in itself. It is hard to be the one that's like, I'm going to break generational curses. I'm going to break mm-hmm. generational curses. Unlearning stuff. everything. Like... Yeah. And I think the ways that I allowed trauma or the cycle of abuse to happen was I had an abusive relationship in high school. Um, My relationship prior to this was not abusive, but um, I accepted that I would have to take care of this person for the rest of my life. Mm. I took on a caretaker role because I've always been a caretaker. So I took on a caretaker role for this person. And now I'm in a relationship where it's like, oh, I don't have to be a caretaker. Right. So nice. But it was it was almost like I was self-destructing myself. Yeah, that's how it goes. Literally, that's like a version of self-harm. And self-harm is a coping mechanism when it comes to those type of things. Um, I was also in a very bad, I'm not going to say relationship, I'm going to say situationship for three years. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> With this guy who was much older than me. Um, 
much being like five or six years. I was like 19 and he was 24. And I just thought we were going to be together forever. He was a master manipulator. He, <laughs> he was very good with his words and his job. When I go say his job, but his job shows that he was very good with his words. Yeah. Um, he like would lie about like seeing other people, which like, since we weren't dating, you don't have to lie, but you're saying you're not, which is putting my health at risk and all these different things. And it was just no fun. My mental health was in the ground with that one. Would you maybe think about that in a way of like loving a narcissist? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what it, that's what it is. Oh, it was painful. It took so long, so long for me to be like, no, I'm not going to talk to this man anymore. And it was even hard to do that. <laughs> but now it's like, same, I'm in a really healthy, really fun relationship. And we've been together for two and a half years now. It's been great. It's been so easy. <laughs> so much easier than dealing with Someone who just doesn't like me. Like, you don't like me. You don't care about me. It's just, it just was unnecessary. I don't understand, like, keeping somebody around, like, if you don't like them. I know. It's it's an ego-driven thing, I feel. Like, it boosts their ego, makes them feel good. Or, like, uh, what's the word? Um, What is the word? Where they want you so no one else can have you. Like, they want you around so oh no God. one else. What is the word? I can't think of it, but that's it. <laughs> yeah, in a way, you know, it's just selfish. It's selfish mm -hmm. to, to, like, be like, oh, well, if I can't have you, no one else can. Exactly. When I don't surround myself with people that I don't like, at the end of the day, if I don't like you, I don't like you. Yeah. No, because that's also, like, if you surround yourself with people that you don't like, you're also doing a disservice to yourself. Like, where is your um, self-respect when you're doing that? It, exactly. Like, do you genuinely like yourself? <laughs> you know, you sit yeah. there and like, do you like yourself? And, and then the same could, the same point of like being around someone that doesn't like you, do you like yourself? No. And I did not. <laughs> <at the time>. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. You're like, you know what? No, I didn't. <laughs> I already knew. That's why I was, I feel like that's why I was doing it. Cause I knew that. I'm, I mean, that's why I allowed myself to stay in an abusive relationship because I was like, you know what? I deserve this, but it's because I had abuse at home that allowed that abuse to happen in a relationship. And, and yep. so that was, you know, frustrating. And I had dated someone for, you know, almost four years, actually dating, actually, actually dating. Um, and, you know, they were great in so many, so many ways, so many ways. But at the same time, there were also some other things that were like challenging that reminded me of my childhood and the things that I had to do in childhood. And um, I didn't want to be someone's mother anymore. 
-hmm. you know, like I didn't want to, I didn't want to take care of somebody I wanted to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. But I also wasn't at a phase in my life where I actually wanted someone to take care of me either. So I was being self-destructive. Yeah. (laughs) You know, how do you step into that? Like that femininity, you know, that's, I think that's what uh, you know, the internet is saying, you know, masculinity versus femininity, oh whatever. How do you step into, you know, allowing someone to take care of you if you have always been the caretaker? I, I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to like, sometimes I'm like trying to pull back. I'm like, I don't need to be doing this. <laughs> Let me just ride the wave for a second. <laughs> No, I'm like, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. Like for me, um, this is something interesting that I've talked about. I, I don't believe in having the same bank account as like my mm-hmm. partner. And I know that some people are going to be like, oh my gosh, why do you not believe that? And it's because I've seen men manipulate money in order to hold it over a woman's head. Yep. And so that's why I've always been like, I don't want to have the same bank account as my partner and my, and my partner, you know, we've talked about it. Like if we get married, we have the same bank account and stuff. And I've always just said, you know, we'd have our own bank accounts and then one together where we would like pay bills from. Yeah. That's what I've always thought too. Because, you know, how can you, I, I trust you, but like also at the same time, it's that childhood trauma yeah (laughs) it's that childhood trauma of what you've seen happen before you're like you know I want to protect myself and make sure that doesn't happen and it's it's been even hard for me to have like my partner pay certain bills yeah or you know because I do believe in a man or you know a partner taking care of another partner I do believe in that Mm -hmm. um but at the same time, it's like, how do I also allow someone to take care of me? Yeah, how do I step back? It's so hard. Like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, your heart starts pounding like, oh my God. <laughs> I know, now. I know. And, and I'm always like, I'm bad about like, if someone takes care of me, like even in friendships, someone does something for me. I'm like, how can I pay that person back? Yeah. And sometimes people just want to be nice to you. You know, they want to get, some people's love languages is just giving to yeah, it's not transactional. And that's definitely something that like, you know, my partners really had to remind me of like, you know, like our relationship's not transactional. Yeah. I hate those partners. There are those people who are in relationships who like Venmo their partner for the $4 coffee that they bought for them. Oh my gosh. Why do you do that? No, literally, why? <laughs> for them to take it off their Venmo account and get taxed 25 cents after doing it too? That is just a waste. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you look like Boo Boo the Fool. I'm not gonna lie. Like no. you can, y'all can split rent. Y'all can split whatever you need to split. But like, eight dollar Starbucks run has to be split. No, no, it's not really necessary. No, just be like, oh, I got you later. You know. Yeah. Or you know, no big deal. It's <laughs> <laughs> I wish people could see my facial expressions because that's just no, like. <laughs> Let me just lead a tip. Let me lead a tip. We're not, we're not going to do this. Right? Yeah. Like you just, you're, and they're sending the same $4 back and forth to each other. And for everybody to see. 
for the whole world to see on your Venmo. <laughs> At this point, just use Apple Pay if you're going to be that embarrassing. <laughs> no, for real. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, yeah. And, um, you know, kind of one last thing that we can touch on before, you know, finalizing this episode. Um, my friend M is just the best person on the planet. And I got her a squishmallow and she because this kind of leads into the into the next conversation while also still tying to the last one um she paid for my dinner the next time that we got together and she's like oh you got me an eight dollar clip and I'm like girl you just spent forty dollars on dinner what do you mean (laughs) that's so sweet though (laughs) no it's so friendship is so sweet and it's and it's so it can be so beautiful but Mm -hmm. at the same time it made me just think like you know our relationship's not transactional you don't even you didn't even have to pay me you know for the five dollar clip I bought you you know like you don't have to pay me back I got it out of the kindness of my heart unless you like specifically asked me to get it maybe you could pay me back at the same time I'm still gonna be like no right I'm the same way though I feel like I would have been the friend that's like yeah let me buy you dinner too (laughs) just because like it felt it feels good to be thought about like what a little gift sometimes like oh my gosh I got you don't worry it is it was so sweet and and friendship can be very very sweet friendship can be just Mm -hmm. the kindest thing but the phenomenon that people are noticing when it comes to adult friendships and I feel like I have this conversation with everyone the phenomenon that I feel like an adult friendship happens is like you stop experiencing life together Uh and really you're just getting dinner or coffee with a friend and catching up and that's all you do you know, you, you're not going on 2 a.m. drives, bla- blaring music anymore. Yeah. I miss those days. Dude, I miss being in Walmart after midnight, just walking around. <laughs> I do too. And and it, I think I've just stopped experiencing life with all of my friends. And it's sad. Yeah. It's it's so sad. Um. I don't know. Are you, do you feel like you're experiencing life with your friends or do you feel like you're more like we catch up once a month? Oh, I feel, I feel like it comes in seasons for me and my friends. Like, well, I have a roommate. My best friend is well, one of my best friends is my roommate. So we're always together um, and hanging out and we do experience life together, but sometimes we get into like the, roommateness like I think a couple months ago we got to like the roommateness of like oh we're just gonna go hang out do this this and that with other people where we weren't making like hang out for each other as much you know yeah um which is fine too but like we were both like dang we miss doing dates to like go get coffee or go get food or do anything like that um and some of my friends I would say it's like every five months we go get coffee or something just because life is so busy. Like one of my good friends, she's a nurse. So I, she'll tell me like, this month is not going to happen, girl. This month we can't do it. I'm going to work 12 hours and then I'm going home. And I understand that. So yeah, it does. It does feel that way sometimes. I guess it just depends who it is for me. 
Yeah, it does depend um, for my friends that because I moved 1600 miles away from home for my friends who are not physically with me. It is just catching up on FaceTime or something like that. Like that's all we'll ever have versus like my in-person friend M, you know, I can go and experience life with her. My friend Shy, I can go and experience life with both of them. Um, but it's still harder because, you know, M is single. I'm not Mm -hmm. shy is in a relationship, you know, she's engaged and I'm in a relationship. So a lot of our experiences are going to be like relationship experiences instead of like making, I mean, we're definitely going to make time for like actual physical experiences together with just us two. But it is harder when you have the relationship too, because you want to make sure that you're also being intentional with the relationship that you have. Yeah. How do you juggle those both? Because that's that's kind of something I feel is a juggling act. It sometimes I get in my head, I feel, and it feels so much harder than what it is, or like I feel like I have to keep them separate, but I really don't because a lot of my friends, we were all friends before me and my boyfriend started dating. We were all like friends and hung out or they hung out before like I started hanging out with him too. Like I've met my boyfriend through my friends, but mm-hmm. sometimes I don't know why, I don't know where this thought comes from, but I'm like, oh, I can't do this with him because I'm doing this with them. Or I can't do this with my friends because I'm doing this with my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's really hard. I've had this dilemma for like maybe like the last couple months in the back of my mind as well. Uh, like I feel like it's awkward anytime we all get together when it shouldn't be. I feel like it's more of a mental thing. Um, sometimes I'll be like, hey, how about we all go on a bike ride? Or <laughs> how about we all, you know, come over and bake, cook something? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah, because that that also is interesting, too, because when you're in a relationship, it's like, should I bring my partner with me? Like, will yeah, I, yeah, will I make those other people feel a certain way? Because of all the social media stuff where it's like, I'm not inviting you no more because you brought your boyfriend with you. So I'm always scared to bring my boyfriend. I'm like, what if they're like, girl, we not ever invited Kalia again. Oh my gosh. That's like, I hate those TikToks. And it's like, oh, why are you mad? Because the girl wants to bring her boyfriend around. What if the boyfriend's friends with all the, all the girlfriends too? Like, what is that issue? And like, I don't know, because, you know, in, in a lot of aspects, you know, you have to have those, those one-on-one times with your friends and all that. And I get that, but like, you're doing something in a group setting it's like you should be okay to bring your partner or you know I it's it's different I definitely think like yes I'd bring my partner with my friend shy and I would bring my partner around my friend M too but I never want to make her feel bad yeah because she's single like I don't want to make her feel bad you know like yeah feeling like she's like a third wheel or something or yeah. we can't be our full silly selves. Cause I feel like I be sometimes I be getting real silly with my friends. We both get real, real silly. And I don't want us to still be able to do that without them being feeling a little weird. Yes, I definitely have the perfect example of that. I was out with like two friends and I brought my partner 
um because I wanted him to meet the friends and the one friend that I have um he is just a hoot and holler hoot and holler. <laughs> um but and we've talked about this like he's really grown out of his hater mentality but when he gets he gets in that hater mentality though like, oh my goodness I'm crying <laughs> I understand that already he digs into people and so my partner's not like that like he he lets things roll right off he doesn't care you know Mm -hmm. you could hit him with a car and he'd be like okay whatever the next day um he wouldn't hold a grudge but you know my friend does and I do I I have a hater mentality too and I love to no exactly I'm like (laughs) sometimes it's just there I love to feed into it. So, you know, we're all sitting there, you know, cracking up, being a bunch of haters. And my partner's just kind of like, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? No, I understand. That's how my boyfriend is too. And I'm like, I'm just being silly. I'm being a silly girl. Be quiet. Yeah, I'm just having fun, you know. So I don't bring them to a lot of those things because, you know, in for us, it's different. My friends are my friends and his friends are his friends. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of like that because in my last relationship, our friends was our friends and then I lost mm-hmm. friends. Oh man. Yeah. So I don't, I don't do that anymore. I kind of like yeah. the separation. Yeah. I don't know. My, I don't know. My friend Shy, she, her, her partner, her, um, fiance husband to be you know was really wanting to be friends with my partner and I was like you know you can try 100% no literally that's- <laughs> I'm all for it I'm all, I'll listen I'm team I'm team on this but you got to get my partner on board <laughs> yeah it is it is weird you know who you the the relationship that you have with your friends versus the relationship that you have with your partner and how do you mesh those two together because they're two different it's also funny if you have like two different friend groups mm-hmm. oh my goodness don't ever mess the two <laughs> no no keep them separate <laughs> uh that is so stressful <laughs> like not having the two different friend groups but trying to put all of them together it's just so many personalities I don't even want to know what my wedding's going to look like because I have like three, three friends. I definitely like a hundred percent am inviting. They all three have three very different, strong personalities. Mm-hmm. How are they going to interact at my wedding? <laughs> like y'all better not act up. Well, but I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just curious, like, are you guys going to get along? like can you make you know all those things and you just don't mesh them together and it's it is def it's definitely different um I know two of the friends will be fine because we went to college together but the Mm -hmm. one friend didn't and so that's going to be like a whole different perspective (laughs) that's gonna be fun it's be fun my wedding will be fun um it's gonna be it's gonna be my party Mm -hmm. My one that's what I was about to say. You probably won't even remember me lit as heck somewhere. I know. I hope to have just the the best day. And I know everyone will make it the best day for me. Um oh, I have yeah. great friends. I have I honestly I sit and I say this. I cry all the time when I think about my friends. I really because yeah. they're amazing. 
Oh my goodness, that's sweet. I have some, I have good friends too. My friends are really, my friends are awesome. I really think like you should love your friends just as much as you love your partner. Yeah. We really do. So this is going to be my final thought because I, I know the people listening to this are like, oh my gosh, these girls are talking forever. Like, damn girl. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you guys really have a lot to say. Um, do you have a final thought to leave our listeners with out of all the conversation that we've had? What is something that you, a nugget of, of just knowledge or love or attention that you want to draw to, to something that you've said, what is it that you would like to end this episode with? Mm. it's a hard one (laughs) Uh, I don't know just like take your time (laughs) if am I like giving advice or (laughs) yeah if you if you want to give advice a nugget of knowledge yeah what would it be oh one thing I would say and this is way off topic Follow your creative urges. Like, if you feel like you want to do something, just do it. I am just, like, overly grateful with being invited to this podcast and be able to do something like this because this is something that I've always wanted to do, you know, but always been scared to do it because of what I think other people are going to say. So if you have anything that you feel like you need to do or the urge to do, just do it. Those don't hurt nobody. Just do it. I've appreciated getting to know you. I've appreciated your vulnerability and your ability to tell your story. And parts of that story also include telling other people's stories. And that can be very difficult to do. Um, I appreciate your candidness and your your just a, ability to be open with us. Because somebody is listening to this and they're like, I relate to her. I <laughs> I understand her or I feel her and that's what I want. And I'm glad that you're on this. I'm glad that we've had the opportunity to record and we have this opportunity to get to know each other and, you know, social media brought us this to this and this is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish you nothing but love, peace and happiness. I know that's such a cliche thing to say. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> but I really, I always wish peace for everybody. I really do. Mm-hmm. I always do. Um, thank you for being on and thank you listeners for listening. If I could leave one nugget of thing, isn't it love thy neighbors as thyself? I think that is the quote. Yes. I'm I'm not, you know, super right. love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the last thing I'll leave you with because I feel like this whole entire conversation was about self-love, radical self-love, but also loving other people. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening. I appreciate you all. Don't forget to leave like a little, you know, response, anything like that. Let our guests know how great she was. I appreciate it.